Hi, my name is Madeline Isabella, and you're listening to Orient and Occident, where we explore the harmony between yin and yang. In today's episode, I speak with Takia Snell. Takia is in her final year of study at Endeavour College of Natural Health, where she is studying to be a naturopath. She will bring together a health science-based knowledge with her traditional knowledge of herbal medicines and the body's innate ability to heal. We explore the relationship to self through touch, sex, and understanding the human cycles in life. We also explore how we are a microcosm of the macro and much more. Hey everyone, and now I can welcome our special guest, Takia, onto the podcast, which I'm super excited about. Um, she is a beautiful, lovely girl that I've happened to run into across Wollongong over my time. And through this time, we've realized that we have way more in common <laughs> than probably what we thought we did it to start with. So um, Takia, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, um, your studies in atropathy and anything else that might be of interest? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm currently a student, a fourth year student, um, studying a Bachelor of Health Science, majoring in naturopathy at Endeavour Wellness Clinic in Sydney. Uh, so being in my last year, I am taking in clients, which is pretty awesome. We have a student clinic at uni, so I'm in the practice and the flow at the moment, but we're obviously under supervisors, which makes it a really good space to be in. Um, I am really interested in taking part of like the mixture of scientific biochemical functioning of the body but also with a focus on like the ancestral flow of our body and the cyclical nature of it and with a particular interest in sexual functioning. That all sounds amazing and I love that hereditary or ancestral flow kind of element because I feel like that's not something we often talk about and I know my partner and I we have been talking about it quite a lot. I'm from an Italian heritage and I've been trying to eat more base in that kind of realm and I've noticed that my body just welcomes it I can process lots of pasta and I'm okay (laughs) where some people can't yeah it's amazing how much our body actually responds to what our genetics are actually set up for it's quite fascinating and it's amazing if you can eat pasta you go for it but my body definitely wouldn't be able to which is a shame but (laughs) yeah I remember coffee um was one of the huge ones, uh, Russ from Younger Yoga, when I used to go there, the studio, he was saying people that, you know, through generations have been having coffee, their DNA is almost changed or something to that level. That's probably not the right scientific words, (laughs) but they're able to process coffee a lot better rather than people that haven't had it in past generations and they're more affected by the stimulants of it. For sure. And also like another example is the endocannabinoid system. So we have this inbuilt system that we've only found in the last 40, 50 years, but every single person's one is different. So that's why it's so hard to understand in research, whether it actually works for everyone the same way. Mm, Interesting. So on that, um, in a lot of Eastern philosophy um, and medicine, such as yoga and tantra and traditional Chinese medicine, we tend to explore the body as a microcosm of the macro or the universe. So looking at our body replicating the external world. So kind of 
you're looking at it through a different lens of elements and um, integration. So I always like to think body as water. So how is that fluidity moving through you, body as earth, that deep sense of grounding? And then you can kind of pick up on the subtleties between your physical body and the environment around you. And how do you think this concept shifts the way we look at the world in terms of healing both ourselves and the planet? Oh, uh, so big question. This is, yeah, this is a really powerful concept too, because as you said, it's embedded in so many traditional ways. Like most of the traditional ways of life and like um, any kind of cultural way is built on that construct of us being a part of the earth. But we seem to see that as now like a divine dream and something that's not achievable in our modern society. But we're such a victim of the hurry up syndrome. So like we're constantly just. We go to work in uni and we're stressed there and we hurry up home to try and get to our yoga classes. But in between that, we're grabbing our mat, we're driving to the class. We then spend most of the class trying to think about what's for dinner and what we've got to do the next day. And then we may get that moment of like Shavasana where we calm down and finally get in touch with our breath. But then we get woken up and sent home. We drive home again. But meanwhile, the world's quietly just gone about its business and done its cycle throughout the day and we haven't even paid attention so if we can't pay attention to that then how can we pay attention to the way we breathe or our menstrual cycle flows or how our body can actually function with the world like we're so cyclical as well and if we can't Mm. pick up on that then how can we heal ourselves or the world yeah and it's that awareness and attention I think that I kind of drive home a lot in my yoga classes that I teach is people haven't noticed their breath throughout the day and how it's a reflection of your environment. So when you're stressed, it's quick and short. When you're more relaxed, it's deep and steady. And so that's literally every class. The first thing that I say is bring awareness to your breath and don't change it. Just reflect upon it and just sit with it. Is it fast? Is it slow? Has it changed? Will it change by the end of the class? And then I always bring it back to the end of the class saying, and now how does it feel? What's your Mm. breath reflecting now? And coming back to that rushing all the time. And I am a huge culprit of this. (laughs) If anyone knows me, I have like 20 jobs and I run from one thing to the (laughs) other. And then I wonder why I'm tired, but it's because I've um, tried to work in this masculine we've talked about this before but this Mm. masculine dominated world and that's not in terms of gender it's more about energy so that masculine energy in pushing forward that drive that keep moving 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 whereas the yin the feminine energy is more about the nurturing phase so getting that rest and if we're living in a masculine dominated world when's that yin energy coming through when's that nurturing energy coming through and it's just not it's just not there anymore and I've even spoken about um like the menstrual cycle like you mentioned before how in the corporate worlds for example I really struggled because I didn't know my cycle I couldn't understand why some days of the week you know I could barely function and I was so tired I needed to rest and that was my body in those periods of my cycle saying hey hang on (laughs) tap into this feminine yin energy you need to nurture you you don't have the energy to keep pushing forward Mm, of course and if you keep pushing through that then you're just ignoring that that state again which stops that cycle and that normal flow that's going which 
then impacts, it's like a domino effect, it just impacts everything else that's going on. So you constantly get stuck in that state of sympathetic nervous system dominance. So you're just coping with that stress, 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 and your body never gets to rest and digest and calm down and come back into a space where you can bring in that feminine energy. Mm. And it's interesting because when you look at that microcosm, macrocosm, so our body, a reflection of the universe, the earth, a planet, it has phases, it has cycles, it has that yin and yang, that both coming together, that harmonious nature. So why would we think we're any different? (laughs) Yeah, of course. I know. And even the seasons can have such a strong effect. Mm. Like we know that there's such a thing as seasonal depression even, and yet we don't acknowledge that especially in Australia I feel like because we are such a lucky country in terms of weather we have such beautiful weather most of the time Mm. but even this summer has been quite wet but you speak to most people and they've been disappointed by it not remembering that we had the most horrible summer last year which was warm but yeah fires affected us so just all these build up of things we're just not recognizing and we can't even see that in ourselves. We can't even see your breath work in ourselves or our menstrual cycles. But how can we feel either? Yeah. And I think it's one thing people are uncomfortable to talk about. And if you're a friend of mine, there's two things you're guaranteed to talk about with me if you're a new friend. It's going to the toilet, <laughs> your bowel movements and your periods. They're the two things that I'll probably bring up with you pretty soon on. And that's just a key part of my life. But again, those seasons and not having that awareness of our body. And I don't know if it's lack of education from being, uh, surprisingly, I went to an all girls school. So you'd probably think I would have had more of an education on that, but definitely not. Um, Being contraception for 10 years, not having the awareness of what that would be doing to my body and then coming off it and being like, oh, what the hell? I need to relearn everything that I should have learned when I was 15 or 16. So it's interesting to see where this yeah, disconnect, but it's a disconnect kind of in multiple parts of the whole spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're just disconnected from everything to do with our body. And that taboo is um, really that driving factor, I think, in terms of education. As you said, like, you didn't learn about the pill or what that was making, but neither did I. I didn't even know what ovulation was until I was about 23. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. had no idea. And now I'm studying that every day. And I'm this, like, a naturopath's favorite conversation is definitely poo. Yeah. <laughs> um, because we need to know what's going on. Uh, but for us to not realize that from a young age, and you think mm. kids, kids love to look at grass or leaves or they pick weird stuff up all the time and that's what they're so fascinated in but as adults or even as teenagers we're told put it down and don't touch it and don't look mm. at that and don't worry about that or um told to fear and the storms and waves we're just constantly wrapped up in this bubble, bubble wrap and not told to experience things so how can we pay attention yeah and i think i've watched a ted talk once and this guy was saying the worst thing you could do is stop your child from exploring the creativity and he said he was watching a mum, and no shame on anyone i'm just repeating what this guy said mm-hmm. but he was walking behind a mum and a little kid and who had gum boots on and it was raining and the kid just wanted to jump in the puddle and the mum pulled him away and was like no don't have time for that Let, like don't jump in the puddle and he was like that's the moment that this kid's 
stops exploring. Like that's just another, a little moment of, oh no, I shouldn't do that or I can't do that. And then that translates in so many other ways. And I think part of the disconnect is one, we don't have the time to sit and observe. Like it's so interesting out there. Yeah. I just sat in the park for a few hours the other morning and I just, no book, no phone, just a cup of coffee. And I was like, this is so interesting. <laughs> Look there's at the birds. So much happening. Yeah. yeah. There's so much, like we, oh, we can be stimulated by what's going on around us. We don't need the extra stimulation. I often say to people when they say they struggle with meditation, because a lot of people do, because there's that mm. pressure of it being this perfect state and you can easily go into it and it's like this peaceful thing, but it's so hard to do. So often I tell people, instead of forcing themselves to do that, go to the park and just get in touch with your senses, like touch the grass or the leaves and listen to what's around you and look what's around you, what's happening in the sky or the tops of the trees. We often just forget to look up or down mm. and just get that sensory idea of what's going on. And you notice that your brain starts to calm down and drop into a state of that parasympathetic nervous system. So it just isn't worrying about what else is going on and what you need to do constantly because you're in touch with nature you're actually viewing what's going on Mm. around you and allowing that to become a part of you. And I think it's also feeling that support. And that's something I always sound like I'm boosting myself up, but in yoga, (laughs) I always come back to the support of the earth. And I say, if they're laying on the floor, feel the support and the weight of the earth underneath you, like you're protected. Like you're not only protected by what's underneath, but look up. Like you're also protected from the sky or the heaven and whatever you believe in or don't believe in. But I'm like, you're being protected from all sides. Like you're never alone. And if you feel alone with humans, I understand. I feel like that too sometimes. But (laughs) you can always come back to that sensory feeling and knowing that you're not actually alone. Like you can feel the earth breathe and you're all on a similar path. Mm. Yeah. Yep, I completely agree. Yeah, I actually have my uh, Qigong book here, which I I opened up to a page just because I just absolutely love it, but similar to that idea, but um, living in the Tao, so um, within the polarities of yin and yang, so the good, the bad, and cultivating life energy and moving with the rhythms of life. And I think that's really important as well. We get stuck and we hold on to things and we've just kind of forgotten how to yeah breathe and just release like we we internalize like everything yeah we seem to have this expectation it's always gonna be the same too I often get Mm. people saying that I haven't changed anything why is my body changing or I've always eaten the same thing why now is this a problem because they haven't realized that whatever's happening around them they haven't noticed the impact that environment has had on their body as well as and the food they're eating they just don't know how to flow with their body and constantly blocking things just blocks the flow. Mm, that's interesting. Do you find a lot of people come like uh, for weight? I don't know if you can disclose this, but like weight related issues or? I haven't personally, but I've definitely seen within the clinic, um, there's been quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I do find that it is people that are nearing towards that middle age where their body starts to change mm. all of a sudden. So they start getting different hormones and, different stress levels and um, then they're losing people. They're going through more traumatic events and that's when their body starts to react to what's going on. They can't deal with it anymore. 
and that idea of I'm young, I can deal with it. My body just puts up with me and now it just changes. Mm. So, yeah, it is often something that presents. But in terms of weight gain, there's a lot more going on. It's not just your food. Yeah, it's such a complex piece that you have to put the puzzle together. Yeah, yeah. And that's so interesting. I never even thought of that. But like, yeah, losing more people grief and what those elements can do to your body that people just, you know, not having that awareness, you wouldn't really understand. Mm, Definitely. Um, And another topic that we've discussed before that I really love is touch and how important um, that sort of connection is between like touching yourself or touching strangers and loved ones. Um, How do you think that impacts healing? Oh, uh, greatly, actually. So I've been doing a bit of research on this lately and I've found several different papers that have been done on physical touch and they've actually found that we have specific tactile fibres all over our skin and through our body that only are receptive to a gentle touch, so like a gentle stroke or like a plant of a hand on you. Mm-hmm. And at 32 degrees, which is a human body temperature. Yeah. So it means we're actually responsive to human touch, which is fascinating. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so these uh, tactile fibers are um, also interlinked with our opioid system. Sorry. And that also means that it down regulates um, your perception of pain. So it can help with that. And then it also can signal the vagus nerve, which is a part of your parasympathetic nervous system. So it can calm down your nervous system, bringing it back into that state of rest and digest, which also allows for reduction of cortisol, which then in a domino effect allows your endocrine system to work properly and your immune system to work properly. So it's almost, it's inbuilt. It really is. Um, There's also studies that have shown um, that, groups of strangers put together if they are connecting with each other so chatting and creating conversation if touch is involved so if a touch on their shoulder Mm. or on their arm there is actually a greater sense of social connection and social um, support within the group that use touch than the ones that didn't interesting Mm. so it's literally built into us and it's funny because now we're searching for science to make to allow us to know that but we just we know evolution (laughs) yeah quite literally but even that hug from a friend or sibling can feel like the best thing in the world like you just there's no other worries when you're hugging them Mm. or the reaction you get when your partner touches you that can send like a it can ignite a fire inside of you that you just don't even think is possible when you're stressed or at work or uni and in that moment you forget that that happens yeah that's so interesting because I think as well I'm a massive culprit for this but I I don't like touching people or hugging people if I don't feel connected to them um, mainly because I pick up on a lot of energy so I feel you know, if their energy is heavy, then I kind of take a step back because I'm like, oh, I don't want to take that on because I tend to absorb what they have. But when I build, it's almost like instantaneous when I finally build that trust with someone and like that connection, I'll hug them. I'll touch them. I'll feel very comfortable like (laughs) doing like whatever I need to, to make them feel safe 
through my hands, but I have to then be that, that trust has to be there for me a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, but funnily enough, the touch can build trust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it's like, it's kind of <laughs> contradictory <laughs> that I'm like, I don't trust them, but then that's that connection sometimes yeah. that you end up forming through it. Yeah, definitely. You just need it. People yeah. explain to be able to be yourself. Sometimes you just need to create that mm. connection because words can't do that. No. Yeah. Even like my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think as well, there's that exchange where I just hug him and I'm like, you're the best. (laughs) (laughs) But they know too. They know. A dog dog will come up to you when you're sick and they just know. Yeah. We're the same if you actually listen to yourself. You can see when people are upset or need a hug. Yeah. And I gauge that a lot in yoga as well when I feel when people are open to an adjustment and, you know, that little hands and touch sensation really activates the pose to a whole new level. Again, kind of coming back to that support idea, like it's here, I'm safe, breathe into my hands. And there's a lot of healing qualities through the hands too in traditional Chinese medicine, um, through acupuncture and the uh, meridian lines, You, the hands are an extension of the heart space. Mm. So it was really beautiful. Like you shake hands and you're literally giving someone that instant connection to your heart and you don't even realize you're doing that anymore. But that's through human nature. We've been like, here's a little bit of my heart when you shake hands with someone. Well, that was quite nice. We still have that ingrained. Like we Mm. wear a wedding ring on that, on the finger, our ring finger, which is actually the finger that was supposed to connect us to our heart, which Mm. was a, I'm pretty sure it was a Roman um, idea to begin with. That's so nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the reason why it's on that finger. Uh, I actually was having this discussion with my boyfriend and I was like, I don't know why you have a ring on that finger, but there you go. That makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, and it's funny that it connects with uh, TCM as well because they're completely different aspects Mm. of the world. Yeah, that's something that I've noticed. I can't remember, probably this Qigong book. And I just kind of giggled to myself because I was like, this traditional Chinese medicine style is talking about this. And then I read my yoga books and I'm like, and my yoga books talk about this, but it's just like different languages. And they're literally just talking about relatively the exact same thing. But it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're like, am I reading the same thing just in different languages? Pretty much. (laughs) but also interesting. And we already talk about stress and our modern lives and how crazy it all is and how stress impacts our body. And I know there's quite a lot of research, um, sex and stress and how that, that relationship between the two. And funnily enough, I read a study not that long ago that said um, groundbreaking research, stress impacts fertility. And in my head, I was like, oh, did people not know that already? I thought that would have been assumed knowledge. But um, is there anything that you've learned through your studies or just your personal interest on that topic? Oh, I think I have a personal interest in terms of obviously what we've spoken about with stress, shutting off our nervous system. So as I said, it shuts off our digestion, our sexual functioning, everything. And we as a race, are almost constantly in that sympathetic nervous system state. So we have this chronic imbalance, which means that none of that's working. So we don't have the ability to tap into 
regular functioning. When our digestion's not working, our sexual function isn't working, so we can't get arousal. We're basically a, at a state now where we'd rather watch Netflix than have mm. sex, which is quite sad. Like we can't be bothered anymore. We'd rather just stay on the lounge next to that person on our phones usually and not even pay attention to them. But yet they're feeling the exact same way we are. We're lonely, we're unconnected and we're just sitting on our phones searching for that. Mm. It's, I, yeah, I could deep go so deep into this sex sort of stuff. And do you think as well, it's the, obviously the distractions there, your phones, there's a million other things to do, um, working so much. And isn't it that like our generation is one of the, um, like the sets, how much sex we have is like the lowest it's ever been. Yes. Yeah, so we're having less sex than what most other generations are. We're so, so boring. <laughs> quite literally. But I think it's because we don't want to put the effort in. Mm. We just don't have, well, and we don't have the knowledge either. Like we don't realize that using those tactile fibers even. So just taking an extra 10 minutes to actually touch yourself or your partner can allow you to come back into a state of arousal, but it just might take that little bit longer than mm. what you ever thought before. Yeah. That's why with people like, Oh, quickie. And I'm like, Oh, that takes out all the fun. <laughs> yeah. But even if it is, that's still yeah. enough to allow your brain to get back into that. And that connection is still yeah. so important. If you can, then you go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, people just can't do that. Yeah. And I think, I think I read somewhere once that um, this guy said like his wife or partner, you know, he had to not work for it, but he had to really put the effort in to allow her to calm down and take away those stresses so she could fully relax in that experience and they, so they could enjoy it together. And I thought that was really nice. I was like, he's taken the time to understand her and the external environments that happen that, you know, maybe she can't get into that arousal state as easily as someone else. Mm. And he's taken the effort to really nurture her in that way. And it's interesting to see, yeah, that it's time and our perception of time and everything's yeah. a rush. And it's another thing to put into the schedule. Yeah. It, it, and if you look at it that way, you may as well like schedule in an hour to mm. spend with your partner and whether you get to that point of, that sexual function, I guess, it, then that's fine. But, or if you just end up talking for an hour, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're in that connection with your partner without your phone, then that's so mm. important. I mean, getting to sex is even more important, I yeah. would say, but <laughs> <laughs> not putting that pressure on anybody, but yeah. um, it's just something that we're missing completely. Uh, mm. There's this idea that long-term relationships, sex goes downhill. And it's, we shouldn't have that. It's, it's because they're not working on it anymore. They don't mm. have the time anymore. You're not scheduling in time or taking those moments to really want to be with that person. Yeah. And also it's the time. And I think it's more exciting being in a long, sometimes long-term relationships because, you know, there's things you don't want to divulge to maybe someone you've just met or things like that. So you can foster this really deep connection with someone that you love and trust to explore things that you may not have explored before. Exactly. Yeah. You can have that open communication and the trust when you do want to try something different instead of feeling like you're 
insecure in terms mm. of wanting different things. Yeah. I think communication's super important as well. Um, and like taking that time, I listened to a podcast on being afraid to ask and it wasn't related to sex, but it was more about like your working life and things like that, being yeah. afraid to ask for what you want. And it was like, because the reaction maybe is how you would respond and you don't like how you would react. So I'm a yes person. I say yes to literally everything. And then five <laughs> minutes later, I'm like, why did I just say oh, no. yes for? <laughs> I like, no, I don't have the time to do that, but I'm a yes person. And so it was really interesting in terms of um, communicating with my boyfriend now, because it's a very different relationship, feeling I'd be really scared at first to open up about how I actually feel or re- what I want to ask for and things like that. Whereas now I have no issues with asking or you know, I have no fear in being who I am because I understand that's why he's with me. I'm also a lot more mature now. <laughs> when back in the day, I was like quite young in a relationship and you're a bit different. But yeah, being, I think maturity goes with time, but communication is what we've lacked. And rather than a few quick flick of the text, actually sitting down and connecting, just looking at each other, like mm. in the eyes. Do people yeah. still do that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't even think it's, uh, necessarily maturity I think it's the fact that you know your body and what it needs as well like maturity may get you there but most married couples aren't having sex either so yeah it's, it's not even that it's just that awareness that your body needs that and your relationship needs that communication is without a doubt lacking in most people like most people can't even communicate about money let alone sex and what they want mm-hmm. and so many people are scared of being proud of it as well there's almost this um, idea that females should not be the one chasing sex either. So we shouldn't be the deviants mm. and we shouldn't want the sex. Like that's what males are for, like that they're the ones that are constantly chasing it and can have it all the time. And I mean, we have cycles and times where we don't as much and other times where we really do, and that's just natural. But in terms of who we are, we, sh- we're, we should be allowed to want it. Like that's. Yeah. Like where was it written? Like females don't ask for sex or don't want it. Like where that's been ingrained into our culture somewhere along the lines. Yeah. But if you look at even like ancient um, paintings and um, archaeology, both the female and the male are often quite sexual. Like that's the feature of a lot of the art. Yeah, definitely. And there's even research to say that women that um, self-pleasure can actually have a better sexual relationship with their partner because they know themselves better and they understand mm. and they know what they want and how their body functions and it gives them that sense of yeah knowing mm. and I think that comes with everything we've really talked about that deep sense of knowing and connection and I fluff on about connection all the time but it's connection it it's pure connection and learning about you and rediscovering who you are. Like that is why we're here to just figure it all out. And no one has the answer. That's the whole fun in it. We're just trying to explore and change and do different things. Without a doubt. And we're never going to get a rule book. So we may as well just have fun doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think as well, like maybe we've been ingrained like mistakes are bad. And, you know, being afraid to explore different things because you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to make a fool of out of yourself. And whether that comes from 
those picture perfect Instagrams, which is probably ingraining a little bit more into us now, you know, looking picture perfect when you have sex. No, like Mm. you don't always have to be spot on 150%. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, I think it's gone even way back from then. Like the Mm. idea that a family needs to be perfect as well. And that you need yeah. to look good on the outside. Like it's, it's always been there, whether we had Instagram or not. It's yeah. always, it is made worse now. And even we could, another deep dive is porn yeah. as well. Like how yeah. we're, pretty much we're leading our teenagers to learn about mm. sex through porn. They don't get taught at high school, but that's a very deep conversation. <laughs> we can go there. That's the next one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Feel free to go so, into that because I find it so interesting. Yeah. Well, the idea that porn often is, where we find our inspiration for sex and Mm. where we try and look for different things to do or different people to be with, like often that's our stimulus and we forget that the human that we most often need the connection with is right in front of us. Mm. Yeah, and that um, almost like a distraction again, like that's easier Mm -hmm. than to sit down with your partner and maybe have that uncomfortable conversation. And we've like you said, that bubble wrap, just making ourselves as comfortable as we can possibly be. We sit in comfortable chairs. We sit on a comfortable couch. Like we literally are comfortable all the time. And, and, you know, those uncomfortable conversations now are really hard for people. Yeah. Yeah. They just seem to, it's almost a grass is greener of the other side type situation. Mm. And yeah. And like, yeah, it's just crazy how everything has really changed in terms of that um, deep connection. And with yoga, I think that's why people um, like Tantra, people instantly like, oh, that's the sex yoga. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's actually not at all. That's Neo-Tantra, which is derivative that's, some, that's been produced from Tantra. But Tantra is all about connecting to yourself through breath through practice, that deep level of awareness that you're like, by definition, Tantra is you're the microcosm of the macro. Like you are the universe. And Mm. each time you connect with your partner in a sexual way or any form of way, I think it should be, everything should be included. You're giving, it's an energy exchange. You're giving us a little piece of each other to each other, which I think is so beautiful. And that's why it should be, yes, special and, that time should be spent to explore yourself and explore the other person. Without a doubt. And if you look at it in terms of even when we're talking about meditation, how people find it hard Mm. to clear their mind, sex is that one Mm. time where you actually can clear your mind and you have no choice in it. I mean, if you're actually within the moment, a lot of people struggle to do that as well. But if you give yourself that time and allow that touch and that stimulation, then your mind is literally blank, which is the most beautiful moment. And it can only last a couple of seconds or it Mm. could be a couple of minutes. It doesn't matter. But that's what we should be searching for. And that's when you really connect with yourself and whoever you're with. Mm. That, yeah, that moment of just blank. And that's the goal of yoga and meditation. It's to still Mm. the mind. And if you can be completely present in that moment, sex can definitely get you there. Mm. But yeah, it, yeah, and then it comes back to everything we've been talking about. We've done the full circle, everyone. So <laughs> stress. If you can't switch off, you're not going to have these experiences. And that's just this, what the world we've created in. We don't know how to calm ourselves down anymore. We don't know how to take that rest, that restorative form 
to give ourselves a chance to fully immerse into it. Exactly. Yeah. We almost wear our stress as a badge of honor. Yeah. It's like, crazy. I said at the start, I have like 10 jobs. There you go. That was my badge of honor. I'll call out my <laughs> own, my own faults. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I will be napping. <laughs> yeah. I will be napping after this everyone. So it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's just interesting. I find the sex is really the disconnect it's kind of exemplifies everything we've already talked about. Like if you're not connected with yourself and the breath is so important in the sexual practice, you watch Mm. that rhythm of breath. It can change the whole outcome of your relationship, the way you interact with yourself and your partner. Yeah, for sure. All all senses. Like it's a part Mm. of your sensory experience throughout that. Like they're most of the time they're all blocked off again because of that stress response we just don't allow our body to feel everything and as soon as you start having sex you can suddenly smell and hear and feel that person that's with you through every single moment Mm. and we allow our bodies just not to feel that yeah it's that almost that numbing that bubble again coming back to it it's we're afraid to feel I think now I don't know, just talking from personal experience, like I went through a really tough time and I really struggled with the idea that I didn't have super positive thoughts. Like it just really, I was like, oh, I shouldn't think like this. I should be happy all the time. And then obviously through my yoga practice and everything, I was like, oh, this is totally normal. (laughs) I am literally like every other human on the planet. Yeah. But no one's ever told me that that was okay. Like yeah. I just always thought I had to be 100% happy. Show a face, right? Yeah. Mm, have put a on smile. the facade. Yeah, put yeah. on the smile. Even today I got to the coffee shop, not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I should put on a smile just to pre- wave to people, but <laughs> I needed my second coffee. And after that you can smile, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, look how much I'm smiling now. <laughs> uh, so with your course, I so interested in what you you're studying is this when you take clients in do you have a regime that you work through to interpret um like their symptoms or how does it exactly work just so people know because sometimes you hear like naturopathy and acupuncture and you just don't really comprehend what what's involved yeah for sure so what we usually do is um we ask a lot of questions (laughs) that's pretty much what we do the whole time so in terms of when people come to us, we usually have a good idea of what they're coming in for. So like maybe it's, I don't know, fixing their hormones or they have um, really strong period pain and stress. Like there's a couple of things usually that they're coming in for. And then from there, we'll focus on that to begin with and ask as many questions as possible in terms of that system. Mm-hmm. And Usually there's other systems connected whether the client realizes it or not. So we then follow on through many questions to do with other systems. And the most, the biggest ones we focus on would be digestive, um, hormonal or endocrine and reproduction. Mm -hmm. Um, Another really big one would be immune. So how often people are getting sick and how that functions. And then we also really love to get a good idea of, daily functioning too so how much um their lifestyle affects them so their exercise their relationships 
um, their work situations, how that makes them feel, what their energy's like, um, dietary, um, like a kind of what it looks mm. like throughout a day. And then that's when you can really start to hone in on what the specifics are because there's always a driving factor or several for what's mm. going on. And you can kind of get a feel throughout the practice what is happening. What is happening. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I want to ask this question out of personal interest, but period pain, normal or not normal? Or relative question? <laughs> um. I would say not normal. Like it mm. shouldn't be painful. There should be feelings in mm. terms of you can, you should be able to feel that something's happening and something's changing and your body knows when it's coming, but yeah. there shouldn't be pain. No, it's, there's something else going on. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I Because most females I speak to now always relatively, I would say 90 8% of them, that's a pretty exact figure, would say that they have quite bad period pain. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And I think the whole idea of normal should be actually changed to common. Mm. So I think the medical world has allowed um, symptoms to become common and then they've been named normal. <laughs> yeah. Which allows people to think that they just need to push on and deal with it and not see anybody for it, and there's no answer. Mm. Yeah, that's super interesting because um, I've spoken to you about it, but I went to a doctor, Western GP, and I struggle with weight, like really lethargic, period pain, and a whole other world of symptoms. And the first thing is a blood test. And I get the text, oh, your blood test is fine. And it's only because I'm well aware of the world that I live in and I, Eastern medicine, naturopathy and acupuncture, I know are alternative ways of healing that I'm pushing forward and I'm like, no, I'm going to get answers because I know my body's not functioning properly. So how do I get, how do I go beyond that blood test that just says I'm fine, that my symptoms are normal? I got my little rabbit ears, normal. And I think this is really important, which is why I wanted to bring it up because you're right. Everyone just keeps pushing through. Mm. And at what point does your body start to break down? Yeah, for sure. Well, that idea that, like I mentioned before, that stress, like when do we, we keep pushing and pushing and pushing and all of a sudden we've got cancer or we've got um, celiac or disease or we've become... Uh, we've gained anxiety disorder or something like that but when do we blame it on the stress we usually mm. don't we just say it's something that people get so yeah. you may have to get your appendix whipped out but do we blame it on anything no nah, it's just something that happens don't worry about that it's fine mm. but when do we actually look at what's going on in that person's world um those pieces of paper that have all of your numbers on it that come between a reference range may seem normal but in comparison to your last test why have they dropped down to the lowest point in the reference range but it's still normal right oh, so i think you're talking about my life yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh since the last time i saw you uh yes that's exactly what happened and the doctor said oh yeah three years ago your thyroids were low and I was like, well, no one told me that. So I haven't had, I haven't progressed because I got the text saying it was fine. So I wanted to, yeah, like I said, I just wanted to bring that up because I think 
um, we take the first answer as the only answer. And I'm not saying there is a place. This whole podcast is literally about Western and Eastern sides, the yin and the yang and Mm. alternatives and just exploring what is out there. There's never one solution for everyone. But yeah, just being more aware of your body because at the end of the day, you know, like you know if something is not in balance, if something's not right and just taking that time to really listen. Yeah, for sure. And if you know something's wrong, you should be searching for it. Like no one can tell you that, that you're fine like that you're fine you can keep pushing on if you don't feel like it like there must be something else going on if it's not a normal thing for you you know yourself um if something starts to change then you really need Mm. to find out why which I think is what I take a lot of pride in in terms of what I've studied and our degree is very much about we hone in on finding what's going on like there's there's a reason why something is amiss something Mm. is happening you may be able to mask it. We can mask it with herbal medicine, the same as what any other kind of pill can. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that's always what medicine does because they have done some incredible things and changed the way or how long we live and the way we function. But there's, we shouldn't just have to take a pill to cover up a symptom. We should be able to find what's going on and try and heal that. And then everything else can start to come into balance again. Yeah, and it's all about finding that balance and the harmonious flow, we call it in Qigong. But drawing upon that, even when you look at traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and I say that because that's what I explore through my readings and things like that, but often, you know, diabetes, oh, it's the pancreas. Okay, let's figure that. Let's just mask that with insulin or whatever you need to do. But when you look at it, it's actually like a family of organs and there's a mother and there's a, there's, everything's linked. So it's like, actually, if this is what's happening, then we need to look at the lung maybe. That's a pure example. That's, I don't know if that's yeah. the right answer. But <laughs> I was like, you need to then look at the organ that is actually the parent to the pancreas because maybe there's a disconnect with that rather mm. than it actually being a problem with the pancreas. They're not talking to each other properly. So finding that harmony in all parts of the body is so important. Yeah, for sure. And they are all interlinked. You're right. And amazingly enough, like you think about taking those drugs for say diabetes, we'll use that again. You take those drugs for diabetes, but the drugs then need to go through the process of the body, which is then hindering. So it needs to go through the gastrointestinal tract, the liver, and then be able to be processed to gain its actual functional use. So all of these other symptoms or other systems are having to deal with what's going on just to fix that one organ. So how can that not affect everything else that's going on in our body? And I never even thought of that. Mm. Like how it would, yeah, it has to go through the whole body. And obviously it's not like, oh, here's the pancreas. I'm just going to hone in on it. It's going to infiltrate through all the other parts as well. Mm. Yeah. It's that idea that medicine can do that, but it's looked at, the smallest part so often when studies are done to try and find out whether a pharmaceutical can work or any kind of medicine Mm. can work it will look at that one system or that one cell and where it's uptake and how that changes the whole picture Mm. but it never looks at the whole body so how that affects the skin and the brain and all these other missing elements they don't put those together in a puzzle 
that's just bizarre. <laughs> to me, that seems absolutely bizarre. But that's like everything else we've been talking about, that just dis- disconnect that our body is a machine versus our body as nature or a garden, like each part fostering another part of us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's all interrelated and it needs to be cared for equally. Mm. So interesting. So also going back to sex anyway, um, do you have any pointers for like sex or health and well-being, um, healing that work for you or you've come across in your studies, practice, anything? Um, I think um, even though we've spoken about it so much already today, but that idea of calming that nervous system down. So in terms of sex, I think the biggest thing is to have patience Mm -hmm. and just really try and not get frustrated with yourself or your partner and just take time, really take the time. Uh, Don't just drop it after it doesn't work for a couple of minutes. Your body isn't just a switch to flick. It Mm. needs time to really have patience. And I would say the same for health as well. Um, Just really try and search for what's going on and just have patience with it. It will change. It's going to change regardless. (laughs) Your Mm. body's a cycle and you just need to love it Mm. and allow it. Yeah, and I think there's beauty in allowing yourself to love that transition, which again, we're not, we don't talk about often, but um, I have no secrets, like I've said many times on this podcast, but when I was 22, I was very, I was healthy, skinny, 56 or 57 kilos, um, which was my normal weight, which I'd been for like pretty much relatively my whole teenage, early 20s. And then I went backpacking and drastically put on quite a lot of weight. So that disconnect between one not understanding my body, my health, and wondering why I'd put on all that significant weight. And I actually, the one thing I would always tell myself was like for every kilo that I had put on, it was um, how much happiness and fun that I had had while I was traveling. And that was the way that I dealt with my weight gain because I couldn't understand why it happened. And mind you, disclosure, I'd put on about 15 kilos in two weeks. So it was a very daunting experience to be one weight and then quite quickly, um, for some reason, I put on quite a lot of weight. But I think then then I realized, I was like, oh, I'm a woman now. Like I've transitioned into a female body where I have bigger hips and bigger boobs and a bigger ass. And that's okay. I'm not a teenager anymore. and we forget that our body is meant to sh- come to that form and we should take quite a lot of pride in that. Mm, yeah. There's a big change, I think, when women get to like 23, 24 and all of a sudden their body just starts to switch to I'm ready for a baby, which mm. naturally happens. Maybe their brain isn't with that, but yeah. their body <laughs> does that for them. And it's funny, like a lot of women have to go through that and it's, I guess, going to the Instagramable type female Mm. is not like that and it's hard to allow your body to do that. So I think it's an amazing way that you put it um, to love your body for having that happiness and that time away. Yeah, and it's funny because the guy, obviously I was masking a lot of weight, like problems, but one a guy was like, your body's fine. He's like, you're female. Like you have a beautiful, like feminine body. And I was like, oh, well, if a guy thinks that about me, why aren't females saying this to each other? 
because yeah. we don't believe it anymore. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's a problem more so in Australia. Australia um, has this expectation of these small women that are beach babes and have long, beautiful blonde hair mm. and all over the world, we're just so different. And even going back to your hereditary type genes, like you're going to have a different body to yeah. me even. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's going to be completely different. Like I have an English um, yeah. heritage. I'm blonde, blue eyed, but it doesn't mean that my body's ever going to be the same as yours ever. So we shouldn't compare. Yeah, that's true. Didn't even think of that, but yes, I'm a little short nonna. So, <laughs> but it's not changing anytime soon. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. And the final question, do you have a meditation practice or a practice or something that you come to, to just help you shut down your nervous system and give you that time out? Uh, not necessarily meditation, but I love to walk in nature. I think that's my form of. I love to just be within nature and see and smell and hear and feel everything. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's the one question I've loved on this podcast is asking people that because funnily, or well, interestingly more so, most people say their meditation practice is not a sit sitting down half an hour, an hour sitting meditation. And so it's really beautiful that everyone's just, everyone said such a unique and different form of it because it meditation is relative to who you are and how it works for you. And I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure to, oh, sit and be still. But I think everyone's open to their interpretations of it. And if you feel calm and released through hiking, I think that's pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. All right. Well, thank you for your time and I can't wait to speak to you again. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, you can follow Occident underscore on Instagram or visit the website orientoxidant.com.au. Until next time, the light in me acknowledges the light in you.